All right, grab your Bibles out, and I'll get you to turn to Proverbs chapter 31. So I was at, a, um, I was at our dear sister Norma Bernard's funeral on uh, yesterday, um, and a number of, I know a number of you were there, um, and we heard about how she'd lived a pretty full and amazing and adventurous uh, and loving life, um, and uh, I was quite an extraordinary woman. Um, and I don't, want, I don't want to sort of glorify Norma here, but I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things we heard at the funeral and uh, and some of the, the takeaways from that. Pastor David Sharma um, said that if out in the world everyone was a little bit like Norma, the world would be a better place. Um, and then those that knew her um, would, would agree. And it sort of got me thinking about, you know, what would people say about me at my funeral? Um, and I'm sure you've all been to a funeral or a memorial service when you may have had the same the same thought. Um, what would people say at your funeral? What would they say about you? And uh, you know, how do people see? How do people see us? How do we see ourselves? Um, and is there a difference between that? And then, how does God see us? And how would He describe us? Some interesting questions there. Um, when her family uh, spoke um, uh, in their eulogy, they talked about how she was steadfast and how she was wise and how she was loving and stoic uh, and an amazing cook. We heard a lot about food. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and that her price was far above rubies. And so I thought we'd read that the, the passage here in Proverbs 31 verse 10. And it says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and working works willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. I do hear that uh, the girls got cooked breakfasts every morning. Um, this is Norma right here in this scripture. Um, she considereth a field and buyeth it, and with the fruit of her hands she planted a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceives uh, that her merchandise is good. And it goes on further down in verse 25 and it says, Strength and honour are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. When you read those scriptures, and if you knew Norma, you know that that passage of scripture um, is exactly who she was. she was. That was her identity. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight, is our identity. What is our identity? And there's a lot of talk in society today about identity, um, particularly when it, uh, I mean, there's you know, a lot of talk and debate about the difference between biological identity um, and gender and sex. That's a, is a fair bit uh, discussed in, in media and social circles today. Now, the Bible's pretty clear on that. There are two genders or two sexes, um, and there's a bunch of behaviour um, which the Bible talks about um, uh, around, uh, around other things. Um, and I want to read you just, just something here. Um, uh, that says, for most people, their gender matches up with their cultural expectations of the sex they are assigned at birth. This means they're cisgender. That's the name for it. 
but others may identify as being transgender and uh, agender and two-spirit and all these different terms. And in fact, uh, if you look on Healthline, they've got 68 different terminologies that describe gender and expression on their website because people today are confused about their identity. And when we identify as something, it means we we think that we are something, right? We have this, you know, we portray this identity that we, you know, we we believe that we are something. But when we when we're being something, well, that's actually different, right? That's what we actually are. And uh, when we read those scriptures about Norma, that's not just her. Sorry, those scriptures in Proverbs thirty-one. That wasn't just who she wanted to be, who she identified as, but that's who she actually was. That's who she was being um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that's the difference between identity and actually being. When I was a kid, um, I identified as Batman. Right? I love Batman. Like he, you know, I played Batman. I thought he was the coolest superhero that was around. Um, I think for a while there, I might have identified as Spider-Man too. Um, but Batman was way cooler because he had lots of cool gadgets and a pretty awesome car and stuff like that. Um, but that doesn't make me Batman just because I identify Batman. Uh, well, you don't know, do you? I could be Batman, but you may never know. Um, uh, but all of us here tonight, um, we're here because we identify as being Christians. Um, but there are 2.38 billion other people on this planet who also identify as being a Christian. But are they a Christian? Are they being Christian? Uh, and that's the challenge and, the, and really the, the question for us tonight. You know, if we identify as a Christian, are we being a Christian? So let's turn to John chapter 3. So the original Greek uh, term of the word Christian, um, uh, the, the words Christianos, um, which comes from two, two Greek words, uh, Christ and uh, Tian, um, and the word Christ means anointed and Tian means little. So you know, the word Christian literally means little anointed ones. So you know, Christ was the big dog, right? And we're the little dogs, right? Um, and, um, and it represents us being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And we read here in John 3, um, and uh, we actually read in verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a very true statement. But many Christians today hang their identity as Christians on that one verse, that I just need to believe um, and, uh, and I'll have everlasting life. And you do have to believe. That's important. But if we back up a couple of scriptures and go back to verse 3, it says, Verily um, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it goes on in verse 5 and says, he clarifies for Nicodemus here, he says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Need to be anointed of the Spirit to be a Christian. And so we, you know, we read in lots of you know, scriptures, Acts 2 and 10 and, uh, and 19, etc., that you know, we'll, we'll know when we receive that Holy Spirit because we'll have that evidence um, that we speak in tongues. And it's an undeniable proof that you have become a Christian, not just identified, but you are now a Christian. Um, and then, but do we, are we a Christian forever just because we're anointed? Well, we need to walk um, with Christ, we, you know, we need to walk uh, in Jesus' steps and we need to follow his instruction um, just like in, in John chapter 3. I'll get you to turn to Galatians uh, chapter 5 
And so to be you know, a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ, we need to follow uh, his instruction. And so we start that in, in John 3, um, and then we read many other scriptures that talk about um, what we should do. And in Galatians 5, we read here in verse 13, and it says, For brethren, we have been called unto liberty, um, or we have been set free from the bondage of this world, um, only that we shouldn't use liberty for an occasion of the flesh. And if you want to understand what that is, you know, read First Corinthians chapter 6 because it talks about that in a lot more detail. But by love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, I think that's uh, actually seven words, but you know, it's one statement, right? That thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so when we uh, sort of break that down, we go into sort of verse 19, it talks about what the works of the flesh are. Um, and it talks about adultery and fornication and, um, and witchcraft and a whole bunch of things that, you know, we probably don't identify with. Well, I hope we don't. Um, they're not sort of things that normally happen um, in our lives. Um, and it sort of goes on in sort of the latter part of verse 21, and it says that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, but when we, when we look at some of, you, know, you might say, well, Ben, that's okay. You know, I'm pretty good. None of those things really apply to me. Um, when we take a closer look at some of the ones not the big headline ones like adultery or, or witchcraft, but it talks about uncleanness, you know, which is a, um, an impurity of lust, lustful, luxurious living, or lasciviousness, which talks about lust, or hatred. I'm sure we've all contended with that sometimes. Variance, you know, being contentious or bringing strife. Emulations, which is an envious and contentious rivalry or jealousy. Um, wrath talks about is about passion or heat in the, in the um, strongest concordance it talks about anger forth with boiling up and soon subsiding again that's what wrath is or strife um, uh, which is about uh, yeah, self-seeking pursuits um, uh, and being selfish um, sedition you know dissension or division you know ever done some gossiping you know, with some saints to sort of garner some support for your opinion or your idea against somebody else or against an oversight or maybe you felt wrongly, you know, wrongly dealt with and so you do a bit of this behind the scenes, right? That's seditions. That's creating division. Um, and so you may not have been a murderer or adulterer, but some of these other things are uh, what we're called not to do. Um, you may even be there right now, but they're easy to creep into our lives. Um uh, I'll get you to turn, actually I won't get you to turn, we'll stay in Galatians. Um, David Provost gave a talk a few, uh, a few months ago where he asked to put our own names um, into, um, into, a, uh, into a scripture um, and read the scripture as if you were reading it about, your, about yourself. Uh, and so um, Galatians 5, in verse 22, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and when we read this, I'm... Put your own name at the beginning. Um, so I'm going to use, uh, oh, he's Paul. Oh, he's Paul. How's that sound? No. Um, 
So you imagine this, where as you're reading verse Galatians 5, verse 22, Paul embodied all the fruits of the Spirit. So think about it like this, like a eulogy. He um, showed, sorry, he hasn't gone yet. Um, so, so, so maybe this, maybe we'll keep this one for later, right? For maybe when uh, we we do read it at Pastor Paul's eulogy, right? Um, so, so Paul embodied all the fruits of the Spirit. He showed immense love. He was joyful. He had inner peace. He was long-suffering. Was gentle. Had such goodness about him, and he had great faith. He was meek, wasn't humble, he wasn't puffed up. He was tempered, he had self-control. He lived in the Spirit and he walked in the Spirit. He didn't desire vain glory. He didn't provoke one another, other than to good works, of course. And he didn't envy. So think about your own name in that scripture. Would that be what someone might say about you at your eulogy? Um, to Quite, a, quite an interesting thought, isn't it? Um, I'll get you to turn to Luke chapter 10. So when we're thinking about identity, um, sometimes it's easy for us to lose our identity about who we really are. And uh, we're called to be Christians. We want to be Christians. We want to identify as a Christian. We want to be Christian. Um and sometimes the role that we play in the church, we think is our identity, when in fact they might be linked, but they're actually not. So the role I play right now is as a preacher to you. Now, I don't identify as a preacher. Um, in fact, I'd rather be sitting down there with you guys uh, than being up here. Um, and it's not a role that I aspire to because um, it's not my identity, um, but, you know, Pastor Chris asked me to fulfill this role tonight, so that's what I'm doing here. I also play the role of uh, an area leader as well. Um, but none of these roles should be my identity because they're just an opportunity for me to serve the Lord in a particular way. And, um, and my identity should be as a Christian. That should be my identity because um, Christ called me to that. Um, because being a Christian will get me to heaven. Being a preacher on its own won't. Being an area leader on its own won't get me to heaven. But being a Christian will. And being a Christian will get me an opportunity to talk to other people. Um, and you may have a role here in this fellowship. Uh, and you might have a role as a house leader. Or maybe you, you know, coordinate the cleaning. Maybe you're a craft coordinator. Or, uh, or you're involved in you know, doing Sunday school. Or you're an outreacher. Or you're a cook at camp. Or... Maybe you'll organise the communion um, or uh, you know, a person who visits the elderly um, or a tradesperson who helped build this hall um, or a gardener who looks after the grounds. Um, and if you identify your walk with God through that role that you hold, um, then what happens when you can no longer do it? What happens when you're sick and you can no longer do it? You may question who you are and what, what value you place you have in the church. Well, the value you have is you're a Christian, and that's what God's called you to be. Um, he may have asked you to do some other things, but he's called you to be a Christian. And that's, that's where we should place our emphasis. We should do those other things because that's about serving our brother, our sisters. But what is our true identity? 
Um, if tomorrow Pastor Chris says to me, you know, Ben, I don't want you to be an area leader anymore because, you know, we want to, you know, give young Bartholomew the opportunity to do that. Um, I should rejoice. I should be excited that young Bartholomew has an opportunity to serve the Lord. But if it upsets me, if I get angry about that, um, if I go, well, Bartholomew, what does he know? He's only 20 years younger than me. Um, what would, what would he know? Um, or he doesn't have the same level of experience or, or who am I now if I'm no longer an area leader? Um, or I'm not that old. There's still some life in this old dog yet. You know, why am I being replaced? Um, whatever rationale I have about why that doesn't sit well with me is about my pride. And pride has no place in serving the Lord. Um, pride has no place in the church. Um, pride, pride has no place uh, in being a Christian. Um, and that's when my identity is tied to this role. I'm missing the point of what I'm actually here um, to actually do. Um, and, you know, my response should be, no worries, that's great. Is there anything else that I can do to serve the Lord or to serve my brothers and sisters? Um, so I'm going to read here from Luke uh, chapter 10 uh, and in verse 38. And it says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, that's Jesus, and a, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but the one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away for her. Mary was clear, uh, Martha was clearly someone who loved serving, um, as many of us do. Um, and, uh, uh, but she missed the point here. Uh, she missed an opportunity. Um, she missed an opportunity to learn from Jesus, to be a good Christian. Uh, and, and she put her serving, her role above uh, her, her identity. Um, and, and Jesus said, Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away. Because we invest in our identity as a Christian, then that stays with us forever. Forever. Right? That's the part that brings us eternal life. And Mary's desire was to be with Jesus, to learn from him, to hear his words. Um, and no doubt do them, because that's the forever stuff. Um, and Martha missed that opportunity because she, she was too consumed by her role. Um, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 23. Actually, no, we won't. Sorry. We'll change that. Uh, I'll get you to first, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 instead. Maybe for outside of here, you can read Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus was pretty critical about the religious leaders of the day. And he was, he was, he was getting into them a bit. Um, and, uh, and he was talking about how the, they were, what they were doing was about themselves and about to be seen of men. Uh, and, and that I think there's a in verse five says, but all their works they do to be seen of men. Um, and, uh, and it was all about them, all about themselves. Um, and that's not what being a Christian's about. And we read here in first Corinthians 12 verse 26, and it says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. 
and if one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath said in some, some in the church, first apostles and prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and gifts and healings and helps, and governments and diversities and tongues, are all prophets, oh, sorry, all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And Paul goes on in the next chapter and talks about the one thing that we can and we should all do. Um, and though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, all, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And what Paul's really bringing out here is that there's all, we all have different roles in the church. We're all, we're all different. Um, and some of us are called to some things and, and others are called to others. Um, but it doesn't matter how good we are at that. It doesn't matter uh, you know, whether we've been called to be this role or that role or something else. Uh, none of that means anything unless we have love. And in verse 3 it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can do all the things to, for other people, sacrifice your time, your efforts, but without love, it's meaningless. Charity suffereth long and is kind, it envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, and it thinks no evil. This thing called love is so selfless. It's so not about us. It's not done with any expectation at all of a return. And in fact, it's the opposite. If I love, I'll get this back, or if you know you love, I'll give you this back. That's not that's not love at all. And it goes on and says, Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Charity never fails. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And so we're hearing about the future, right? What's the, what, the, what does the future hold? Well, the one thing that will last through that is love. Um, it's everlasting. In verse 9 it says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And in verse 13 it says, And now abideth faith, hope, and charity these three, but the greatest of these is charity or love, greater than hope and greater than faith. That's the number one role we can play, isn't it? Despite our other roles that we may take on, we can, we can embody that role of love. Um, and uh, Jesus commanded it of us. Um, it says in Matthew chapter 22, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, that thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. See, when we love, it's not about us at all. It's not about our role. It's not about our title. Um, it's not about our, it's about others. Um, and who else was like that? That was Jesus. That's why we're called to be that way. Because that's who Jesus was. 
um, greater love had no man than this than, he, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Friends, that was Jesus talking about what he was about to do. Um, amazing. Now, we, there are lots of other things that we can read about in Scripture about what we should do to be Christians. Um, we read in Mark 11 that talks about forgiveness, um, that if we do not forgive, neither our Father will forgive us, um, which is in heaven, will forgive our trespasses. Uh, we talk about um, how that we should support the weak um, and how it's more blessed to give than receive. We talk about how we should be like-minded um, together. Um, uh, we talk about, yeah, there's lots of things that we can read about, about being a Christian. Um, uh, I'll get you to turn to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm just going to read from Galatians 3 as you're turning there. Um, it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, where you've come from, what you did before. God loves you, just like he loves the person sitting next to you, just like he loves the person sitting behind you, the person on the stage, um, everybody. Right? God loves us. He chose us. Um, and he... Um, we may have different roles, but God loves us all the same. Uh, and he wants us to be defined by his Holy Spirit. Um, he wants us to be a true Christian, and he wants, he wants the world to see our identity as that, as being a true Christian, as being that light on a hill that can't be hid. Um, Romans 14 says, For none of us lives to, uh, none of us liveth to himself. And no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Therefore, uh, whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I'm going to read here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, There if, for if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Who we used to be, our past identity, who we were before, is passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now now then we are ambassadors for Christ. And and as though God did bespeak dis, let's try that again. As God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We're a Christian now. We're different from when we were born. Um, we've been anointed by Christ. We're a daughter or a son of Christ. How do we do that? Um, John chapter 3, verse 30, I think, sums it up really well. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Amen.